up on today's federal newscast. One congressman hopes legislation can make DHS workers feel better about their jobs. That's it. The Merit Systems Protection Board officially has no members. And after more than 17 years, the Navy says its newest fighter jet is ready for action. These stories and more in today's federal newscast. Today's episode of the Federal Newscast. I'm your host, Eric White. First off, federal offices in the D.C. metro area are open this morning with the option for unscheduled leave or telework. There was a bit of snow, sleet, and rain depending on the area overnight, and there have been several crashes throughout the region. Please drive cautiously if you're going to make the trip. In an effort to improve morale at the Homeland Security Department, House Homeland Security Committee Chair Benny Thompson introduces the DHS Morale Act. It would require the agency to create a catalog for leadership development opportunities, as well as an employee engagement steering committee to make recommendations to the secretary. The Homeland Security Department has routinely ranked near the bottom of the Federal Employee Viewpoint Survey. Maryland and Virginia senators want an update from the Office of Management and Budget about the timing of federal employees' 1.9% pay raise. All four of them write to acting OMB Director Russell Vaught. A spokeswoman for Congressman Mike Quigley told Federal News Network earlier this week federal employees should expect to see the raise in mid-March or early April paychecks. Senator Gary Peters, the top Democrat on the Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, has asked the Trump administration about its travel spending during the 35-day partial government shutdown. In a letter to the Office of Management and Budget, Peters asks for the numbers of trips senior officials took during the shutdown and how many trips were canceled because of the lapse in funding. The senator also wants to know the administration's guidance to agencies about travel during the shutdown. With no time left, the Merit Systems Protection Board is left with no members. The Senate did not pass legislation to extend the holdover term for the last remaining member, Mark Robbins, whose last day was yesterday. There were also no votes to confirm any of the president's two nominees to restore the board's quorum. Robbins says he's directed his staff to carry on their work without him. The MSPB general counsel will take over day-to-day agency operations. Momentum is building for Congress to restore the Office of Technology Assessment. Maurice Turner, a former Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs staffer, says congressional committees, also facing reduced staffing levels, have turned to think tanks and associations for the research OTA used to do. Daniel Schumann, a former Congressional Research Service attorney, now policy director for Demand Progress, estimated there are a thousand fewer congressional staffers now than there were 25 years ago. Congress defunded OTA back in 1995. The EPA's newly confirmed administrator has a full plate. More now from Federal News Network's Tom Temin. Andrew Wheeler was confirmed on a party line vote months after being named acting administrator. He'll have to push the agency through the Trump administration's new rules on waterways and water reuse, faster approval of energy projects, and the resetting of goals for automobile fuel efficiency. Wheeler, who has lobbied for energy companies, had an earlier EPA stint during the George H.W. Bush administration. He also spent time as a Senate staff member. I'm Tom Temin. 
As artificial intelligence advances, two lawmakers are pushing for stronger ethics around the technology. Democrats Ro Khanna and Brenda Lawrence introduce a House resolution to create guidelines to compel government, industry, academia, and organizations to protect data privacy, civil liberties, and transparency on their way to improving AI technology. The resolution also calls for AI, which will empower marginalized groups, provides access to benefits, and protects meaningful job opportunities. There will be a new framework this year to significantly change how government determines suitability, credentials, and security clearances for federal employees and contractors. The Office of the Director of National Intelligence has been working with the Office of Personnel Management, Industry, Congress, and other agencies to set new guiding principles for the federal personnel vetting process. Specific policies will be rolled out throughout the year. The goal is to get employees cleared more quickly and give them more flexibility to take clearances with them in and out of government. The intelligence community wants to make sure its cybersecurity protections reach the edge of the network. Federal News Network's Jason Miller has details. New guidance from the intelligence community CIO instructs all 17 of the IC agencies to analyze all networks from headquarters to the field offices to the very edge of the enterprise for cybersecurity vulnerabilities. John Sherman, the IC CIO, says he's giving the agencies until the end of 2020 to close any gaps they find. Sherman says the goal is to address known systems and applications as well as those in the shadows. He says he will monitor progress and share the results with the executive leadership of each agency. I'm Jason Miller. Just over $1 billion will go towards rebuilding Air Force installations affected by past hurricanes. A disaster relief bill introduced by eight senators directs about $700 million towards actual military construction and would be available until 2023. The other $400 million would be set aside for operations and maintenance and have a one-year lifespan. Last year, Air Force Base Tyndall was destroyed by Hurricane Michael. The rebuilding efforts are still underway. The Air Force graduates its first integrated class of airmen from the recruitment schoolhouse. It's the first time active duty, guard, and reserve airmen train together. The Air Force says putting all airmen together ensures no matter what area they're in, they still have the same basic education. And more than 17 years after the Pentagon's most expensive weapons acquisition first started, the Navy says its version of the F-35 is ready for combat. Federal News Network's Jared Serbu has more. The Navy announced on Thursday afternoon that its variant, the F-35C, has reached initial operating capability. The service says the IOC designation means not only that the fighter can safely operate from aircraft carriers, but that its first operational squadron is fully trained and equipped to conduct real-world missions. The Navy says it's now preparing that squadron for its first overseas deployment. Jared Serbu, Federal News Network. You can find more information about these stories at federalnewsnetwork.com. Search Federal Newscast, subscribe to the Federal Newscast on iTunes or Podcast One, and follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Federal Newscast. I'm Eric White. (music) 